0: Hi, my name is Kevin Liston,
1: and my name is Joshua Crocker,
0: and this is Kicking for a Living,
1: a podcast about martial arts and business from two martial arts instructors.
0: Fantastic. Well, I'm, I'm really excited for this. I think this would be a really good one, but let's just kind of recoup our weeks. How's your week been going? What's been going on with you? It's been a while since we recorded our last one.
1: Yeah, pretty good. I've got a, I have got finished a project this week, or the first part of a project I've been working on since March, and I'm super excited to take a look at it, edit it, uh, give it to someone else to look over, uh, and hopefully more on that project coming up soon. I hope to be done with it by the end of the year, done with it entirely, and have it released. So just a little teaser there. I, I, that was a great because I finished that on... Wednesday earlier this week, having that out of the way. Well, I know you've
0: you've got a lot of projects going on. I know you did your little uh, documentary with our last testing, which was super awesome, by the way. That that was great work Uh, that you did. I really
1: enjoyed that, and I'm excited to make more videos like it. If you haven't had a chance yet, you'll have to check out The Slap, a video documentary. (laughs) It's on our YouTube channel. So if you listen to our podcast episodes on our YouTube channel, um, just scroll down a bit and you should see that episode pop up. Uh, so that was a lot of fun to make. Uh and I think that's cool cuz that
0: that also lets you see well us. <laughs> you know, it's one thing to hear our disembodied voices every now and then, but you know, we're not trying to hide anything. So it lets you see us, who we are, see our school, see some of the things we do. So you know that, you know, we actually do own a school, we actually are martial arts instructors. We're not, you know, making this stuff up.
1: <laughs> and I do think another thing that we're going to kind of get into more later in the episode today. But it kind of gives you a, even a slice of the week at being at the dojo and just kind of following along. What is it like to be a black belt, either a black belt tester or instructor during a testing week? Like what is the experience like? And I feel like it did a pretty good job of capturing just what it's like being at the dojo that week. Uh, And we, we talked about that actually at the start of our last episode, uh, because we we recorded the last episode during our testing week, testing, yeah, and just kind of being there, being in the action, training, uh, and all the experiences we get throughout the testing week. This documentary now kind of gives a bit more insight for you guys to see what we went through.
0: Um, and also, I mean, for me, um, our other owner just recently came back, so I've been doing a lot of business related stuff. Uh, this. Last couple week, and so this podcast at the time of this recording is kind of uh, it lines up almost fortuitous with everything going on with the topics, and so I've been you know reviewing a lot of the business, the curriculum, the numbers, da 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 da, and so it just kind of happened that that all kind of fell right before we recorded this episode, or almost in the middle of it.
1: And so you all know we're going to be talking about today what this podcast is about, what it's in the title, Making a Living Kicking, what it's like to be two martial arts instructors both on the business and instruction side of things, and give you a little peek behind the curtain, behind the scenes of our jobs and our co-workers' jobs and what it is like being a martial arts instructor.
0: Right, and which, you know, Kicking for a Living is a great fancy title, but there's a lot more to it than just, just kicking, um, in there. And so this would be kind of a, a behind the scenes, like you said, sneak peek, of uh, of what it's also like running the business a little bit, but then just the kind of the daily task and trials and things of being an instructor. And what I would say is kind of your average normal school and dojo, you know, not, uh, top tier Olympic, everyone knows the name, not like, oh, this is where Chuck Norris teaches at. No, just your average driving down the road, there's a dojo. This kind of gives you a little behind the scenes of some stuff they might they might deal with. Or even if you go to a school or have kids that go to classes, uh, a little bit of what they go through um, and what it's like. So I'm really excited about it.
1: So start simple. We, we just got done with a morning of classes. It's Saturday afternoon. Do you have any like quick... stories from the morning just kind of show slice of life of your job like Mm
0: -hmm. maybe it's even a
1: usual thing but just a quick story from today from this morning
0: i do uh actually that's it's very specific is that uh the other instructor and we need to have him on a guest as a guest one time is uh an other owner dan was recently back and he was teaching the basics class uh, and he is he's getting back in it, and so he was very high energy, very energetic. And all in all, I mean, it was a great class. But he came up to me at the end of the day and just wanted feedback, said, "Hey, how was class? How do you think it went? Give me feedback. What did you like? What did you not like? And so I was able to give him feedback of I like this. You know, this was great. Um, at one point you use this term, I might use this verbiage. And so just kind of knowing that we as instructors, like get and give feedback on how classes are, um, just kind of a story that that's an ongoing process, um, for that. And so he, I think the, the, one of the the things was, you know, if the kids are not moving as fast as you want, what's some good verbiage? How do you get them to move faster without making them feel bad and things? This was a basics class. It was new students. Um, And so how do you kind of get what you want out of them without making them feel shamed or making them feel bad or anything like that? So, and that, I mean, hours ago this happened. Just like two hours ago.
1: And things like that are so much harder than you might think. It's just a little verbiage that when, when I started out and when anyone starts out teaching... It seems pretty simple, but when you get into all the fine tunes like even one word uh makes a big difference. And you don't always pick it up when you're just in class learning. Mm-hmm. It's when you're when you're up there teaching all of a sudden your brain's going 50 miles an hour and it's crazy. You can't even keep up with it sometimes until you have the practice and, you know, have the experience as a teacher as well. And so I kinda
0: and actually it was kind of you. You were the one that said this, but I really like it. Want to start formulating this, and let's let's kind of start with the business side first before we get onto the mat, because I feel like the mat is going to be what would be the easiest to comprehend. So let's start with kind of the behind the scenes business
1: of. So then, how about we each give our roles in our business, mm-hmm. and then talk about some of the other roles and responsibilities of our other team members or just general responsibilities.
0: Right, kind of what goes into it and things like that. So what is your role, and this is, every school is gonna be different, but what is your role at
1: our school? So my business role is media lead. So I'm in charge of everything relating to media. So that's gonna be uh, videos we post, everything posted on our Facebook, or Instagram page, uh, social media. I'm in charge of making all the flyers and designs. So if you walk into our dojo and see a bunch of flyers hanging up, even some of the uh, banners and posters we have on the wall, I designed all that. Uh, That's everything I do, essentially. I I edit our pictures. I make our yearbook. Uh, Those are kind of the big things. And then sometimes they'll even pick up on smaller tasks, anything relating to more the creative side. And so...
0: If someone was, I know we covered another episode where what to look for in a martial arts school. You know, if you go on the website or you see a flyer of theirs or an ad, know that there was somebody behind creating that content. Um, And that's why I said it's important to, we always try to make sure that the pictures that we use on our website are from the dojo because that would be, you take great photos. You know, and not just stock images, and it shows that there is someone there there doing that. Uh, Which place? That's you.
1: But the website is a great example of an area that is almost one of the easiest to forget, as on the business side of things. Because I I see the dojo every day. I check our social media accounts pretty consistently, but I have no reason to really get on our website because, especially the new member website. So I sometimes forget to update the picture. So I was on there actually just this week and I noticed we have pictures from our school, but maybe some older students or like I saw a student who might be in Orange Belt now when they just started on there. So it's even remembering like businesses going in constantly and updating those pictures. So now I'm going to need to go back in and add in some of the new pictures I've taken because I've got plenty of great new ones, but it's just remembering like, Keep up with that. Get back on the website, change the pictures out, so it always reflects where your dojo's at right now.
0: Right, and I think from a media standpoint, that's that, like you said, that's very overlooked. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's easy to find a stock image of someone, you know, doing a cool flip or breaking a board, but if you can get, you know, real authentic media, um, I think it shows a lot more care and what you're, um, experiencing at your dojo and you're showing off your own students. You're not showing off, uh, a, uh, trained athlete who goes around and does a bunch of photo shoots, um, on that. And so a little behind, again, behind the scenes there is, you know, is this dojo creating media content? Are they updating Facebook posts and are they, their social media accounts? Are they active? And things of that nature. So, and thank you for doing that because that definitely helps. <laughs> yeah.
1: And, and we, you could talk just about what it is media in martial arts a lot later and like what we're looking for in pictures because that is an interesting topic in itself. Of Like the classic example is we teach our students to keep their hands up, but the moment we take <laughs> a picture, we have to tell them to bring your hands down a bit so we can see their see face. See their face. Because you want the picture that's going to show. Up the best. Show up the best. But if you... uh, Sometimes the most realistic thing isn't the prettiest thing. So it's finding that mix between being authentic and looking good, which can sometimes be challenging. So that could be a whole topic in itself some other time.
0: Right. But I think that's a good business point is that a lot of things are far more staged um, because it's just hard to capture action shots. You try to get a shot of the whole class, and then, you know, some kids have their hands up, some of them have their hands down. One kid looks like he's about to fall over, and you're like, oh my gosh, what is going on?
1: Um, well, my picture taking philosophy of martial arts and any sort of active event is quantity over quality. You can go back in later and find the quality pictures and edit them to look nice, but you gotta take a bunch to have that. I'd rather take 100 pictures and only 5 be good than try to take 10, but they're only okay.
0: How many pictures did you take during the testing week?
1: My, me, my, my myself, I didn't actually take a lot of them because I was busy testing people all week. But <laughs> the team as a whole, we took, it was over 4,000. Uh, I can pull it up real quick to see the exact number.
0: Over... But, I mean, over 4,000 pictures in one week, you know, just to try to get some good media content. Like That's that's crazy um, to think about.
1: Hold it. Sorry, go ahead.
0: No, 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 no. You're good because you're, I know you're pulling that up. We're trying to find the exact number here. So, other kind of roles. Let me tell you about my role um, is that. I am, uh, outside of instructing, I am in charge of leads and lead generation and follow-up. And what that essentially means is I'm the person that, if you're looking for a school and you call or you text or you message, um, I'm probably the person that you're going to be talking to. So I'm the one that, if someone messages us on Facebook or via our website or gives us a call, I'm probably the one that's going to answer the phone. I'm the one that's going to respond on Messenger Uh, And that's my job uh, outside of the instruction is I'm the person that's going to be your first line of contact, Um, which I think is great to also know that that's an instructor. So to know that the person that you're talking to is also the one that's going to be teaching you or your kids, um, or at least around, uh, depending upon which program you're in. But a lot of that is just trying to feel out where that person's at what they're looking for and then really it's just getting them to come in and try it out like that's the hardest part of martial arts is coming in that first day and i understand that and so i'm trying to kind of get people to uh excuse me to get people to realize that it's okay to come in and try out a class come in give it a whirl you know What do you teach? We teach this. What are you looking for? Why are you looking for it? Answering those questions. How much does it cost? We have different programs. They vary from this cost to this cost um, and things of that nature. And so I'm kind of that first line of contact. Now, I think you, was it over 4,500?
1: Yeah, over 4,500 pictures and videos So from just one week. (laughs) That's awesome. But no, being the lead manager, it's a scary job for me because you're the first one who has to talk to people. I'm also not good at talking over text and phone. I don't have as much experience with it. I much prefer talking in person with people. uh, Or if I apparently can make a video. I'm actually really bad on video too. I think we talked about that in our first episode. I'm I'm a lot better than I used to be. But all those things, whenever you're on the phone, whenever you're on video, it just takes time. Being up in front of a class teaching, it takes time. And the more you do it, the better you get at anything
0: and and that's totally true it just you get more comfortable as you do it A lot of people don't realize how many how many takes it took uh, For those of you I'm gonna throw this out there cause going back to media a little bit because we talked about 4,500 mm-hmm. pictures is they did the they will do a lot of martial art challenges you know there was the water bottle challenge where you'd kick a wavemaster pop it up kick the mm-hmm. bottle or one was the bottle cap challenge. Where they would hold a bottle and someone would do a kick or a spin kick and try to like kick the bottle cap off without knocking the bottle over. It's like, man, wow, that that video looks really good. How many takes? Do you think it actually took? Most Came these across the video
1: get of you doing the, I think the water bottle challenge the other day. I don't know where I found it, but <laughs> something of you knocking off uh, the cap of a water bottle. Oh yeah,
0: the the bottle cap challenge. Yeah, yeah, oh, that was like.
1: Do you know how many takes it took?
0: Oh, gosh, I think it was somewhere in the 20-something takes. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. it looked good, and we landed on a good video. Um, but, yeah, like, it's never perfect. That's the thing about martial arts, yeah. self-defense.
1: Baiting thing, just getting good takes time. I- I've been making posters since I was 11, so before I even had the <laughs> shot. And if I go back and look at the things I designed as a kid, that they weren't great when I started. Some of my first videos weren't as good as they are now. So with whatever... You're interested in whatever your career is, whether it's something teaching related, something on the business side of things like media or lead management. Whatever it is, the more you do it, the better you'll get.
0: Right. And that's that's definitely true with owning a business is that it is very different than a lot of people think. So we, because so we've covered the media, which is what you do, and the leads are what I do, uh, I want to really quick touch on some of the other roles that are in our school or other schools. Um, one of them is, this seems weird, and when you think about it, you'd be like, really? But retail, you know, product. They're, you're a school. You There are certain things that, depending upon what style that school is, you're going to need a uniform. They've got to order belts. Um, sparring, you're probably going to need mouth guard, gloves, gear... Does this school do weapons? These are all components of, of the business. And those are things that we keep track of. Um, so we have a retail lead um, that keeps track of retail. And, you know, sparring gear packages are a big one. Or weapons packages for our weapons programs. Do, does this person need a jiu gi? Or do they need a traditional karate gi? Because if you're looking at martial art, those are different. Those are vastly different. And I had uh, a student that was coming to jujitsu jitsu class that was always wearing a karate gi. And, and I told him, hey, that, that, that's going to rip. <laughs> Eventually, you're going to need this thicker gi here because that's going to rip. And sure enough, it did. <laughs> but that is a, that is a component um, to the school that I think a lot of people don't think about. It's not a huge component. Obviously, it's, we're not a Walmart. We're not a big retail chain, but there is that component to it.
1: One of the biggest martial arts wholesalers is right in our backyard, Century. Yep. So even visiting their business, their warehouse there, I've been up a couple times. You're up almost every week,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, <laughs> like just seeing their operations. Completely different business as a wholesaler, but they're also in the martial arts industry. They're the ones who you know sell our bags, uniforms, uh, a lot of. I'd say eighty. Percent plus of the equipment we sell is probably through them. Oh, easily, if not more. Easily. We have some other products like t shirts, we m- might get through another contact, but all of our gear is through Century.
0: Yeah, unless it's something specific and custom that we do, we do summer t shirts like, um, but like yeah, we're both Century. wearing right now. Oh, yeah, sure enough. <laughs> But yeah, and uh, by the way, Century Martial Arts, those people are amazing. I'm going to give a quick shout out to them because knowing them and the owner, like they have a gym up there. They will allow any school to go up there and just like train with them and stuff. They are so open to that. And Michael Dillard, the owner, is a martial artist himself. And so he is always so connected with the school. So those people are amazing. Yeah, they're 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 great. great up there. They're awesome. We love them. Um, I mean, it's a retail business. Things happen, but the people up there are just so great. But we wouldn't have that component if it wasn't for them. Like yeah. that would. So many martial arts schools would not be open if it wasn't for them.
1: Another thing in the same fashion as retail is you have your events. Yes, these are both things that you have to promote uh, outs, outside of just you know the normal training because these mm-hmm. events you have coming up and. If you've ever tried to host an event, even just you know, a birthday party, you know that there's planning that has to go into it, and if you don't have someone in charge of getting that event ready, that's challenging, too. Or, that, sorry, you need someone in charge of getting that event right. planned. Right. And
0: and so, by event, we mean things like if, if the school does a special seminar, a special topic seminar, or a game day, or if they do... Um, a special dojo out day, uh, a parents' night out. Those are common among a lot of uh, schools or little mini summer camps throughout the summer. Those events tie into what you do a lot, media, because like you said, you, we have to mm-hmm. let people know about it and promote it, um, but that—that that is a big thing that seminars, training seminars, are really, there are some martial artists out there that make their entire livelihood doing nothing but going from school to school doing seminars. That's that's it. They don't have a school of their own. Maybe they have a home base they train at, but they're not the owners. They just do seminars. And that it's crazy to think about how much work that takes. Cause it's almost like a band going on tour, but they're touring to do seminars. Uh, and we've had guest instructors and things like that there's a lot of prepping and planning that goes into a seminar uh of that magnitude and so that's a really big component of a school what kind of events they do do they have events how often do they have them that when they do there's a lot of work that goes behind the scenes on that
1: yeah and so you got events you got retail again not to keep going back to my job but even like when you're marketing an event, you have to do your pre-marketing, get people hyped for it, send mm-hmm. out links to here's how you can sign up for the event, get pictures and flyers. But then after the event, you also have to go in and track your information uh, as the, for the business side of things so we can keep our metrics. I have to go back onto social media and make a post about with pictures from the event. Be like, hey, thanks to for everyone who, who went to the event and people... I've noticed, always love seeing the recap of an event. They love seeing the pictures mm-hmm. from the event because when they had a good time out there, they, won't, they won't like those pictures, they like those memories they got. So it, it's even those small things, remembering to make those posts that bring back that engagement on events.
0: Well, and like any good business, if you don't have good media, then then you really don't have a lot uh, to engage And I think that's the big thing is trying to engage with people and things like that. We we want to engage with people. We want to engage with the community, and so those posts, especially nowadays. I mean, social media nowadays is such a big part of it. Google and Facebook, uh, Meta, are such big parts of businesses nowadays that you just you can't ignore them. A martial arts school cannot ignore those things and operate on their. I guess, clout of rank alone, I actually had someone ask me, because we have some of the trophies displayed of when, we, when we've when we competed in the past, and they said, hey, do those generate business? And I said, and I'm going to drop a name, if you know who this person is, you're going to be like, oh, wow, if not, then look them up. Uh, but I asked the person, I said, well, do you know who Pat Burris is? And he goes, No. I said, "Well, Pat Burris is an Olympic judo like uh, champion. Like he w- was a big, 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 big name in the judo uh, world back in the day. They had to change the rules because of this guy. Um, so super, super big, super well known. Um, and so, if you want to go with judo and you want to get really good, you train at his school, right?" The person said, "Yes." And I said, "Well, it's down the road." And they were like, "Oh, really?" I was like, well, you didn't know that? Well, no. Like, that kind of marketing, you know, if a place doesn't have right marketing, you won't, you'll never know about them. Um, And just because they're super well-known does not mean that their school is going to be the best well-known school. If they don't have that other business side of things, um, they're not going to... Unfortunately, they're not going to get it, which is sad because that means there's a lot of great martial artists and instructors out there that don't have good schools because they don't know those little things um, and that's that's hard that's kind of hard to swallow sometimes too
1: so so then what are the other like real quick little things or other jobs we have? They're not necessarily little things, but
0: um well the, the other one this is definitely not a little thing is we have our program director yep um, who is in charge of memberships, renewals, upgrades, signing up new members. At at the end of the day, that is probably one of the most intensive jobs of time outside of teaching. Because you need someone there at a desk, greeting students, talking to them, signing up new students, scheduling them um, for their times to come in, renewing them, keeping track of things like... Basically, someone to keep track of all those numbers. You mentioned metrics um, is another big one. You need someone to keep track of it because you have all these, okay, how many posts did I do? How many likes did I get? What kind of content did that generate? Did this bring us any new students? We have to keep track of all that so we can utilize that to help grow our school. Because if a school doesn't grow, that's less... People that can learn martial arts. And I love teaching martial arts. I want as many people to learn it as possible. And so the program director, I think, is a very, very important role to have someone at the desk doing all that work. That is so important.
1: So, yeah, we we could talk about just, you know, our jobs and business for a while. Because most weeks we spend as much time doing that as we do actually on the mats teaching. Sometimes Uh, more. (laughs) Yeah, even more. Our students see us. They, they see all the work we do on the mats, which is great. But there's all that behind the scenes that we wanted to kind of give you a look into briefly of, you know, all the other work that goes into operating a martial arts business and any business. Right. And if you go to a martial arts school
0: and they have the titles may vary, but a program director, the person behind the desk who's in charge of the memberships, like I just know how much work that person really puts in. Sometimes they, they put in far more hours than the instructors themselves. So if you're out of school, just give them a little appreciative gift. <laughs> they they will love it because they really put in a lot of work. But is is it time or now are we going to get into the, the mat side of things?
1: Sure. Let, let's turn to instructors. What Being on the mats or right. being adjacent to students and working with students. Uh, so
0: it's very interesting because... As you said, the more you do it, the easier it gets and the more comfortable you get. And this is probably the most interesting thing about what it's like kicking for a living, being an instructor, is that your own training goes down the toilet. (laughs) You spend so much time teaching that it is hard to dedicate time for yourself to train And that is so difficult, and so many martial artists fall into that, I guess you could say, trap, and they get stagnant.
1: And you can even think, well, I'll teach these classes and train in this class tonight. Uh, Try to divide it up. Changing your mindset from teaching to learning in one night is near impossible most of the time, especially when this is your job and routine. You almost need a separate time just for training, separate time just for teaching, Mm -hmm. which... I mean, we only get seven days in a week. That's not easy to do, and that's not always possible in that sense. But just switching your mindset from teaching mode to student mode, not an easy thing to do.
0: Right, and even even me, and I would love to, to, to be able to get you on this as well, I almost have to train at another school. I go to another school for, for my uh, jiu-jitsu training specifically, Um, And I know that you've been up to Century with me and done a few of those classes there because it's easier when you're at a separate place. But again, that means that you have to not just go up there for the length of the class, hour class, but what's the drive time? You know, what's the length the drive there, the drive back, the downtime. So you really have to dedicate time out of their day to be able to learn new material. And keep up your own ranks and your own training, um, without it getting stagnant. And I think that's that's very difficult to do. Like you said, it's hard to switch that mindset over.
1: Mm-hmm. And yeah, any school I would train at outside of ours at the moment, like it, it'd probably be a thirty-minute drive both ways for me from my house. Mm-hmm. And otherwise, I, I'm uh, working five days a week, <laughs> so yeah, it's
0: they're, they're pulling the same clientele. I quote competitor, I really don't feel like other martial arts schools are competitors because I want as many people to learn as possible, but it would be kind of awkward to go across the street to train there knowing that you're both trying to pull the same students from the same area.
1: <laughs> yeah. Right. But it can when you're talking about competitors, sometimes it's style differences. It's not always sure. you know, the exact same thing. But no, that they're training yourself. That that's one thing that you always want to get better as an instructor, because you want to not you enjoy martial arts yourself. It's something you are passionate about, but you also want your students to be able to keep learning, and you have to keep growing for them to keep learning.
0: And speaking of keeping growing and keeping learning, uh, a thing that I think kind of again behind the scenes is how much time, at least at our school, and I've seen a lot of other schools do this as well goes into learning how to teach, Continue your edu- continuing an education and how to teach other students and how to teach other people. I mean, I have read several psychology and child psychology books to help me understand how to better teach kids and adults and how much continued education there is in, hmm, This student didn't grasp this punch, this kick, this technique, this takedown, this throw, this submission, like I wanted them to, what am I missing? How can I present the information on that? So we have entire trainings, we have an entire class every week, squad, dedicated to teaching people how to teach.
1: I mean, and even now, let's see, I've probably been teaching two years as a lead instructor, like, this week even, there there was something specific I was trying to add in as a teacher that maybe I ha- I hadn't really thought about doing when you're up in front of a class. So just giving that attention. Like, I have to take dedicated time when teaching to make sure I do this and I teach this certain way to try to have better classes, make classes as engaging and as informative as possible. And, and to anyone starting teaching a lesson i've kind of acknowledged in the last couple of weeks isn't always that you're going to get better or more perfect as you teach but you get more comfortable with making mistakes i think about when yeah. i started if i made a mistake it would have kind of it would have thrown me it would have stopped me it stopped my momentum now i make mistakes all the time in class but knowing how to just keep moving on from mistakes like oops i said the wrong word well <laughs> we'll keep going you don't have to be perfect. You just have to know how to not let mistakes uh, get, get in your way, distract you when teaching. Well, that's what being comfortable in front of a classroom <laughs> means. Well, the first, if you start teaching the
0: wrong thing or teaching it different than another instructor, these students will be the first ones to let you
1: know. <laughs> they let me know this morning.
0: <laughs> they, they will be the first ones to be like, that's not how we do that. That's not why we did that move. Um, and so learning to kind of, roll with that and let that go. I mean, there was an, there was a time where I started teaching uh, an entire wrong class. I was a class ahead. And I started um, teaching a takedown when I think we should have been teaching uh, Bunkai or Kata that week. And the students were kind of... They were going with it because it seemed familiar, but they were like, that's not the week we're on. Um, and... I didn't even get told until the end of class. And, of course, I had to just be like, Hey, class, whoops! (laughs) What you got? Bonus on this
1: Here's a recent embarrassing story. Uh, It was was one of our classes where we were kind of... The class is dedicated to giving snippets of other styles, and it was Muay Thai this week. So before the class, I wanted to take time to make sure I knew what I was going to teach in these 30 minutes. So I did a little research on my computer. I was even just looking up, like, the meaning behind the style, thinking back to some of the training I have in it. Well, I get out in class and realize that I had got Muay Thai confused with Krav Maga, which makes sense why I was so confused <laughs> when researching. I mean, they're both four-letter word or two four-letter words. Uh, and I was like, just I, didn't, I didn't know Muay Thai was like this, but oh, well.
0: I guess that's what I'll go
1: teach. And then I get out there and I say, today we're doing Krav Maga. And the moment I say it, I realize the mistake I made. I'm like, just joking. Let's
0: mm-hmm. do
1: this other style we're supposed to learn. <laughs> and I pretty right. much had to completely, I had all this preparation for this class go out the window. And I had to kind of just wing it from that point because I wasn't prepared at all. And But class still went well. I, I, I mean, you <laughs> fall back on your training. When you make those mistakes, you don't let it grow sure. you. you You still try to give the students a good learning experience, give them something that they will take away from, and make sure they leave with a smile.
0: Well, and I think that's another thing that is becoming more common in schools. Now, I will say that probably, gosh, 20, eh, realistically, I'd say 30 years ago, 90s and before, the idea of MMA, a mixed martial art, was not really looked highly upon. So a lot of martial arts schools were very traditional. We do this, we do this one thing, we do this one way. And uh, as continued education happens, you know, instructors are always refining curriculum now. And that's another thing that goes into the mats and teaching that uh, I think behind the scenes is how much curriculum development there is behind it. Now, there could be a lot, or there could be very little curriculum development depending upon the school, but I think having a more set, structured curriculum is where a lot of schools are going, so they know, this is what I'm teaching, these are the moves I want the kids to know, this is why I do it, and so when you brought up like Muay Thai and Krav Maga and other styles, we're always looking to improve, but that takes research, and it takes a little bit of trial and error. When talking about styles,
1: the way I always like to look at it is, what is the best part of this style I can take? So to like simplify it, I would take the kicks from Taekwondo, the the fighting from maybe Muay Thai, kickboxing, uh, some of just the general bodywork of Karate styles. I feel like Karate is one of the most kind of in the middle of all the it's, styles.
0: It's a good in betweener. It's a it's, good
1: uh, yeah. It's a good starter
0: to jump into other styles yeah, too. It'll
1: give you a, a good basic set, but then if you want to improve your legs, you learn some of these Taekwondo kicks. Or these Muay Thai kicks. Right. What, all these styles.
0: And I think that that's a lot of behind the scenes that goes into when we develop our curriculum. Yeah. You know, what we're, what we're teaching on the mat. Um, and what your you or your kids are going to learn out there. Where it's kind of rooted in and the why. We talked about, you know, your why of, of joining. But also the why of why are you teaching it. And why are you teaching it this way? There needs to be legitimate answers behind that.
1: So thinking about our curriculum right now, list all the styles you think have at least some impact in our current curriculum.
0: Gosh. Okay. Uh, Taekwondo, uh, Ishinryu Karate. I'm going to say a little bit of Shotokan Karate and uh, Gojinryu. But honestly, that's because we have Ishinryu. Judo, a little bit of Aikido. Uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Um, has a lot of influence boxing kickboxing I, yeah there is a little bit of Muay Thai not a lot but I think there's going to be more added into it what am mm-hmm. I up to now 10
1: Ten uh, and I, it's not a style but philosophy uh, Jeet Kune Do. so you know 10 or 11 mm-hmm. styles just at the moment and th- there's a lot more that we don't even really have much experience with uh, in our dojo, but there's probably still stuff we could get from, you know, Krav Maga, Kung Fu, uh, more Chinese, uh oh, I even, karate. I didn't
0: even think about where all our weapons come from. Oh, weapons, yeah.
1: <laughs> but yeah so,
0: that adds some Filipino styles in there, too.
1: So, what? yeah, that's just what goes into making curriculum. And you talk about wanting your business to grow and get more students. I think having a set curriculum is you're going to see that in more successful dojos, because it's almost a necessity is the more students you have, the more instructors you need, the more instructors you need, the more communication and set curriculum you have to have. Mm-hmm. Uh, there has to be that standard that the instructors follow that at times you can add on to, you can keep developing and each instructor will bring their own unique, uh, personality and spin to it. But you need that set curriculum. Mm-hmm. So there's, uh, not disconnect between your different instructors
0: and sometimes you know you might have different programs and different instructors teaching different programs which is fine um but they're they're gonna have again a developed curriculum um some of them it might be you know depending upon the the how much work they decide Mm -hmm. to put in kind of behind the scenes going back to that They might have an idea and a concept. Well, I'm going to teach a standing takedown this week, and I'm going to teach, you know, I know jiu-jitsu. I've seen this, you know, I'm going to teach guard for this week. I'm going to teach mount for this week. But there's a little more freedom in what is taught there, which is great. But usually something like that is reserved for a little bit more advanced class that already has their fundamentals. Mm -hmm. Um, And then it kind of funnels. So fundamentals are very specific things and then you kind of branch out, broad, uh, broaden the horizon from there. But I think knowing that and knowing how to present that to a wide range of, of students is also important. One thing that I would like to say about, you know, kicking for a living that is both one of the greatest things that I do, and I don't know if you've experienced it. So if you have, jump in. If not, maybe you'll find this interesting, is the de- the connections you develop with students and the amount of trust that a student or their parent has in you and what you're teaching. What That is very powerful, and it can be a great thing and could be also kind of a scary thing, knowing that, you know here i'm doing my normal job what i think and then knowing that the impact i have on this kid can literally alter their life or has altered their life and i didn't even know it until the parent tells me about it
1: um, i mean yeah it's hard when it's your job so it's what you just everything you're always doing it's right. just your routine and as well as you're of course the person who has your own you know things you're working on your own hopes or your own you know flaws you're always trying to improve as a person sure. That sometimes it you forget to look at it from the outside view like how does someone else look at me because i I look at myself you know as myself. I don't look at myself as you know a teacher that I this person I look up to I've got my own teachers I look up to, but for these students that that's gonna be you that's gonna be me so it's it's humbling but it's also uh. You know, you can take pride in that and you can all it helps you want to be better. and you're always striving to be that person who can make a difference and make the best difference you can in other people's lives. And it's the best part of the job in the end.
0: Right. And I think it's also good to know that the instructors that are up there teaching, like you said, a lot of the students look up to us, but we're we're people too. We're human beings. We make mistakes, we have good days, we have bad days, and so One day we might have an awesome time teaching, another one might be a little harder and it might be a little more of a struggle. And so if you, I've asked this question of my students, you know, and it's interesting, I I say, who has ever seen me teach on a bad day? And the new students don't raise their hand. The intermediate students, I might have one or two and then more of the advanced ranks that have been with me a while tend to raise their hand. Because over time you just see it happen. You know, you get to see your instructor as kind of a, a real person. Um, and just knowing that we have normal struggles with our jobs just like anyone else. But at the end of the day, I wouldn't be doing this if I didn't love doing it. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a job, yes, and there's job stuff I have to do. But when I'm on the mat and I'm out there with a bunch of smiling students and we're all having a good time working out, ah, I- that's that's the easiest (laughs) that's when it's the easiest
1: sometimes it's hard to want to start teaching a class uh you 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 get on the mess you're like okay i've got to shift my mind to teaching we were talking about mind shift earlier but shifting your mind to that teaching mode but the moment you are you know you just kind of get in the groove Mm -hmm. and you're in that teaching zone yeah it's always great rarely am i having a bad time when teaching uh, unless it'd have to be like something happened in class where there's just a student who is acting up or something crazy happened. But those are the one in a hundred <laughs> classes.
0: The, the the blitz moment that I want to go through as we're kind of wrapping up of some of the behind the scenes things that some of you, if you are at a school, you might have seen. But most of you probably don't think about. Um, and that is... Things that can throw off a teacher is when a student, you know, uses the bathroom on the mat, yeah. pee their pants. I mean, we're I'm talking to little kids. You know, I'm not. I haven't seen it from an adult yet. Um, you know, that that's a thing that happens.
1: One and year I have to carry a student off the mat on my birthday, kicking and screaming.
0: Oh yep, mm-hmm. it was just they they had a. One of those moments where it just overwhelmed them, and so, yep. And then we have to continue the class somehow while we're dealing with that. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, there was a time one of our instructors had to step off the mat because there was a guy that walked in our school yelling about our (laughs) no no guns allowed in the dojo policy and had to usher this guy outside (laughs) in the middle of a class. Uh, There was a you know, those kind of interesting situations that happen, or sometimes when a kid uh, we have an uh, emergency bag for some of our kids who are prone to seizures. Yeah. Um, and if that happens on the mat and happens, experiences take care of them. with that before. Yep. Um, things of that nature. The, the students that might hurt themselves on the mat, which actually is pretty rare, but it does happen. Um, when a kid, you know, most of the time there's something already, they have a big scrape that they got playing on the playground and then it opened up and then I see this red coming through their white gi and I'm like, Hey, let's go clean that up. Mm-hmm. Um, things like that. So just those little things that, that kind of throw out there that
1: just try not, not to get shaked when you have a kid, you know ask a weird question or say something they shouldn't because they are kids. They're still learning. Mm-hmm. They don't always realize it's not okay to say this or that's not a good question. You don't need to be talking right now. <laughs> but but they're kids and you got to be understanding and you have to, you know, not lose the class just because you may have been distracted for a moment. The the bazooka question. Yes.
0: All right, does anyone have any other questions about self-defense? What if they have a bazooka at your head? Well, <laughs> Or the, my goldfish died. Oh, yes, yeah. <laughs> question. Well, hey, that's I'm super sad. I'm so sorry. That's not a question.
1: Whenever, you know.
0: Talk to me after class.
1: You teach a move, a student raises their hand, has a question, and it's, my dog did this cool trick today.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it happens. Happen, happens Quite all the time. About. Cursing on the mats from the kids.
1: I haven't heard any <laughs> recently, but I've known it. It's happened before. Yeah. yeah. And most,
0: most of the time it's done innocently. I, mm-hmm. I think the first time it really kind of threw me off was we were talking about respect. in a <laughs> It was in a kid's class, and um, I said, what are some good things to say that would be respectful words? Uh, you. Thank you. Please. And then one of them, you know, well, it wouldn't be polite to call someone a B- Word and I was like, D- no, it wouldn't. <laughs> and then the poor kid's grandpa face palmed and called mom. <laughs> but the kid said it innocently enough. But it's just those little things that happen, and I'm sure it happens with teachers and schools that just kind of maybe get overlooked. That we uh, we've kind of learned to adapt, kicking kicking for a living, as it were. It is a job. It is work. It's fun work we love it there are ups there are downs
1: anything else that you I think is you think's necessary to talk about when looking at business or instruction side of being a martial arts instructor
0: i I'm sure I could think of something else uh, sure, I'll later think
1: but, later yeah
0: yeah but i I really I just kind of want to end on the the kind of funny quirky moments yeah to end on a light-hearted note so
1: but yeah <laughs> it's it's a it's a job like you said one we enjoy and we put a lot of work into and you just want to make sure you can impact the student and that they always leave with a smile. In the end, that's the job. They should leave the, with a smile when they're done with classes.
0: Right. And just know that it, it, it is a business and there are business things that are going to happen. And that's good because a, a, the biggest thing that causes a lot of schools to close is that they didn't treat it like a business and then they never got clients, they never got students. And then you have wonderful, amazing instructors that don't get to teach. And so just know it's a business. And that's a good thing because it means martial arts can reach more people. I know sometimes it's looked at very negatively. Um, but if a school's not open, how many people are they teaching? Zero. So.
1: Awesome. So, yeah, I, I'm excited. We have an episode in two weeks. And we're going to have a guest uh, on this next episode, I believe, so stay tuned. We're really excited. Our first uh, guest we're going to get to bring on, talk to her for a bit.
0: I'm excited as well.
1: Uh, But yeah, you can keep listening to us uh, anywhere you can find podcasts or on YouTube. Uh, You can find more about us at integrityma.ninja, our website. I'll go update some of the pictures this week.
0: Especially after this episode. Yeah.
1: This is the second episode in a row I've talked about pictures on our website and then how to actually go on and update them uh, in case people checked my work. Keep us honest. All right. Well, have a great rest of your day and keep kicking.
0: For a living.